It is time for us to begin our midday program here on a Thursday. Scott Foster in here with you, along with Jason Jorgensen and Bob Brogan. And Susan Littlefield is here with us, too. Good morning, Susan. Good morning. So uh, I I can't tell you today that it's going to be sunny like I have the last couple days. That's probably not going to happen. Yeah, I was kind of afraid of that. (laughs) Sorry, man. It's just the way it goes. What do you got for us today? Well, we're going to kick everything off here at 1219. The Angler Journey continues, this time with Kelsey Thompson. She decided to join the program after her first semester at UNL, and she realized she was missing a sense of community. So we'll find out more about that from Alex. Then, you know, your kids are home from school. They're trying to do schoolwork. You're trying to remember college algebra after numerous years of being away. But you want things to motivate them. We're going to call a talk at 1245 about the Monarch Challenge that continues this year with BASF. It's a great science project for you to do with your kids no matter what their age is. And then we'll wrap everything up at 117 as Shabella steps in to talk about the ethanol slump and what it means to some idling plants. All right. Very good. Lots of stuff going on. Thank you so much, Susan. Thank you. We turn it over to Jason Jorgensen. What do you got going on in your world? Well, you know, lost in all this craziness in the last month is that Eric Crouch was inducted into the uh, College Football Hall of Fame, and we'll get his thoughts on what it means to him. Uh, He said he was surprised. He shouldn't have been. No. (laughs) His his number was going to be called at some point. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, But that is a humbleness of Eric Crouch, one of the reasons why he was such a great Husker. Also coming up, we'll talk about Nebraska and Kansas State basketball. A three-year series has been signed. Mm. They'll play in three different spots this fall if there's a season. We hope so. They'll play in Kansas City at the Sprint Center. Then two years from now, they will play in Lincoln. And the third and final year, they'll play in Manhattan. I'll be darned. So first time they have met since Nebraska left the Big 12 back in 2011. Ever since Nebraska has left the Big 10 and, you know, feelings have simmered down, there's been talk of getting some of the old opponents back on the schedule. And we'll do that in Kansas State. Missing opening day of baseball. Yeah. You know, this is a, it's this is one of those great days I think in America because it, hope springs eternal. It feels like spring, and it's I'm hurting that it's not here right now. And I think their idea that they would like to get started the middle of June is a little optimistic yeah, because you're going to have to have a month to get people ready. Basically, a second spring training. Uh, the players' union and the owners are already kicking around ideas on how they can get. You know, as many games in as possible. Two seven-inning doubleheaders in a day. But at this point, I think they'd just be glad to be able to play a game. Well, we will see what happens. It'll it'll be different, that's for sure. Thank you, Jason. Mm -hmm. Appreciate it. We turn it over to Bob Rogan. And uh, the the stimulus package was uh, certainly useful for... Uh, the economy right now, even though un- unemployment numbers were way down, but the stocks are up right now, 1,100 points. Stocks are rising more than 3%, putting the market on track it, on track for its first three-day rally in six weeks. Also, uh, a record high number of people applied for unemployment benefits last week as layoffs engulfed the U.S. in the face of the near-total economic shutdown by the coronavirus. The House uh, is expected to be handed that... Uh, that $2.2 trillion economic rescue package tomorrow, it's expected to to pass quickly by the House. It will aid businesses, workers, and health care systems that are impacted by the coronavirus pandemic. Those are the stories breaking today. All right. Thank you very much. That's all coming up on Midday. 
Rely on KRVN for up-to-date information on COVID-19. From closings, the latest governor's press conference, and DHHS virus reports, we'll bring you the facts and latest news on the coronavirus. Visit our coronavirus information tab at krvn.com for up-to-the-minute local and state news and tune in every weeknight at 5 p.m. for a special KRVN this evening. Depend on KRVN to keep you informed on COVID-19. COVID-19 coverage is brought to you by Cozad Community Health. Time for us to check in on our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. Paul Perkins in here with us right now. I guess if you're going to look for some sunshine, you better uh, <laughs> you better head down to uh, eastern Colorado and some parts of Kansas because there's not a lot out there right now. Exactly. Uh, right now it's at 60 in Lyman, Colorado. That compares with some mid and upper 30s in the northern part of Colorado <laughs> in behind that cold front and close to 70 as you go to the south of Kansas City right now. Boy, head towards Colorado Springs and Pueblo, you might find some somewhere. It's uh, it's really socked in, but and, and what a difference a day makes, too. Exactly, yeah. Today, about 20 degrees colder than what we saw for afternoon highs yesterday. Most of our temperatures right now in the low 40s, and much of Nebraska, at least in the southern two-thirds, some mid-40s to around 50 on into southeast Nebraska. Temperatures in the mid-tepper 30s, so from Ord on into north-central and northeast Nebraska, and also much of the Nebraska Panhandle. Much of Kansas currently in the mid to upper 40s. Not the full brunt of that warm air has quite arrived there. But we will see uh, some lifting of that front later today, and that will help to get some of those temperatures even into northwest Kansas on into the 60s. But in behind the cold front for today, most of us socked in with cloud cover and slightly cooler than normal temperatures. It's just slightly cooler than normal today because our temperatures yesterday close to 20 degrees above normal. The temperatures today about 20 degrees colder than what we saw yesterday. Luckily, the winds are light and out of the east. Closer to an area of low pressure, western areas looking at some small chances of rain and maybe some snow for today through tonight. Those clouds will stick around for tomorrow, just ahead of an area of low pressure tracking northeast out of the four corners. And note that I said four corners there. Those. I saw that earlier, and I said, wait a minute. <laughs> yep. Usually our good rainmakers and snowmakers, and this time around it will be mainly a rainmaker, those rain chances with possibly some snow mixed in do increase for tomorrow through Saturday. The most likely period will be Friday night into Saturday with this system as it tracks through the plains. We will, uh, in western and central areas, could see a little bit of snow mixed in with this system, but no accumulation is expected. Eastern Nebraska into central and east Kansas may even see some mainly non-severe thunderstorms as we head towards tomorrow night with this system moving in. It is a strong system, and on the backside for Saturday, northerly winds will be strong with gusts up to about 40. Now, it's going to be a tale of two different days for Saturday into Sunday. It's going to be windy and fairly raw on Saturday. Sunday going to end on a very nice note, slightly above normal in temperatures and some light winds with the ridge of high pressure. So if you're going to make some plans, don't make them for Saturday. Make them make for, them for Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, okay. That's going to be replaced by more low pressure that tracks out of the southwest for early next week. This system not going to be as strong, but there will be enough instability Monday afternoon and evening for maybe some isolated thunderstorms. Small chances for rain with that system will continue Monday night into Tuesday. In the long-term forecast, Nebraska and Kansas will be on the eastern edge of warmer than normal temperatures, 
Tuesday through the first eight days of next month. The outlook indicates near normal to below normal precipitation Tuesday through April 8th for Nebraska and Kansas. Soil temperatures four inches down, seven this morning. The lowest along and north of the line from Norfolk to Broken Bow and Sydney in the mid to upper 30s. Other Nebraska soil temperatures mainly in the low 40s. Extreme south central and extreme southeast Nebraska into much of Kansas. Those soil temperatures in the mid to upper 40s and even a few soil temperatures right at 50 in central and east Kansas along and south of I-70, but that will most likely change after our uh, cooler weather for today, but those temperatures, of course, propped up from yesterday's warm weather. In the regional drought monitor out today, Nebraska remains 96% drought-free. Just some abnormal dryness continues along and southwest of a line from Sydney to Imperial and McCook. Kansas continues to be at 86% drought-free. It remains abnormally dry in the northwest and parts of the southwest in Kansas. Much of southwest Kansas still in moderate to severe drought. Key weather factors for the market include stormy weather ending the week in the central U.S. and varying rain chances in South America. In the Midwest, moderate to heavy rain and possibly severe storms will hinder spring field work once again, especially in eastern and southern areas of the Midwest. Ten days from now, there will be some, it will be drier with just some developing showers. For the southern plains, very warm and windy conditions will stress the wheat the next 24 hours along with the high threat of wildfires. Some relief is expected five to seven days from now with some rain and thunderstorms in the southern plains. Most of Brazil's crop areas will have below normal rain over the next five days. The crop stress especially likely in southern Brazil where Rio Grande do Sul will produce its smallest soybean crop in the past four years. Argentina's forecast includes scattered rain through the end of the week. Some moderate amounts over central Argentina will help out the late filling corn and soybeans. Other areas of Argentina will come under stress due to limited rain and very warm to hot weather. The Argentine temperature is cooler seven days from now. Okay, very good. So uh, get through the next couple days, and then we get a little nicer on Sunday. A little bit of a disturbance coming in on Monday. Yeah, but doesn't mean. yeah it looks like the main brunt of that system on Monday uh, going to be well to our south. Okay. Because yesterday we were thinking, oh, it, we should be dry, but now it looks like it's projected a little more to the north. But it does. if it does get closer to the north, we'll keep you posted. All right. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, Paul. Where do you go to check in on your weather? Weather tab, krvn.com. If you haven't visited the Agri-Virtual Trade Show at krvn.com, it's not too late. The vendor booths have extended their hours, and each vendor booth has videos that feature the latest in technology, equipment, services, and employment opportunities. And you can still get your name in the registration to win a $600 go-light. You can register in each booth, and the more booths you visit, the more chances you have to win. Check out the Agri-Virtual Trade Show today. From the office, the pickup, or the cab of your tractor, you can find it at krvn.com. Entrepreneurship Journey, celebrating success, embracing failure, and inspiring the entrepreneur inside of you. It's okay to not know what you're going to do in five years. It's the journey which is going to shape you. Thanks so much for joining. Albion, Nebraska native Kelsey Thompson is a freshman at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. During the fall semester, Kelsey was enrolled in the College of Business on city campus, but she was missing a sense of community. Then I got down here and I was like, College of Business is not for me. Like, I wanted to be in a small community, and there was something that I was, like, missing freshman year, and I was like, what is this? Mm. I had a couple friends that were that are in my sorority, and they're like, you need to join Angler. And I was like, no, no, it's not for me. And they're like, just do it. So she did it. She switched her major and enrolled in Angler 101 for the spring semester. On her first day? I was very scared to walk into Miller Hall because I was by myself, and I had a friend, and 
we were both in the kind of the same boat. She just changed too, and I was like, let's we'll, we'll just we'll go together. It's fine. So I opened those doors, and I was like, oh man, what am I what am I doing? And then I walk upstairs in the classroom, and Tom's like, hey everyone, like welcome to one hundred and one. And I was like, oh man, I love this. We went through. He had made the analogy of the mountain and like how everything's gonna be a climb and it's gonna be a journey. And he told us about, like, our trail guides and all the different groups that we were going to do. And it was very inspiring because I was like, holy moly, this is not just, like, a lecture hall of people saying A squared plus B squared equals C squared. It's a journey, and it's going to be, it was really inspiring to me. Let's backtrack quickly to Kelsey's senior year of high school. Two Albion alumni, Matt and Joe Brueger, visited their alma mater high school to share about the Angler program. Kelsey remembers being interested in learning more about the angler program during their presentation, but she decided against it. And now, as you like walk up the stairs, there's just pictures of all the entrepreneurs. And then I remember walking up the stairs and I saw Matt and Joe and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so real. Kelsey explained that the Angler 101 course is all about self-exploration. Yeah, so 101 is more like an inspirational class, I would say. It's very much self-reflecting and how you need to build yourself before you build anything else. Mm. Um, it's helped me a lot to find different components of myself that I didn't know I had. Like we take the strengths test and we reflect in what we want to be in five years or 10 years, whatever that is, and what's holding you now from achieving it. Um, it's just something that you really reflect on yourself. Yeah. And it's a good course, kind of like a course builder to yeah. where you start yourself before you're going to start anything else. Mm. She was hesitant to start Angler 101 because she didn't yet have a business. And when I walked into 101, I was very scared because I, I have a couple different business ideas, never know if they're going to work out or anything. And I was like, oh my gosh, I need a business right now. I'm freaking out. Like everyone in here knows exactly what they're doing. <laughs> and that's exactly opposite. Yeah. There are so many people in there that they don't even have any idea. And it's more that entrepreneurship isn't just starting your own business. It's a mindset. That mindset also taught Kelsey that it's okay to not have a concrete plan for her future. So that's kind of a different mindset that I've had that this angler journey is going to shape me to be exactly where I'm placed to be and where I need to be and not a forceful experience or end goal that I'm forcing myself to do. And... If you would have asked me in August what I wanted to be in five years is completely different from now, I would have said, I want to live, I'm going to work at a bank because that's what my mom did and I am not experienced in anything else. Mm -hmm. And if you were to ask me that now, I'm going to say, I don't know, I want to move back home and I want to benefit my community somehow. You can learn more about the Angler Agribusiness Entrepreneurship Program at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln by visiting angler.unl.edu. Thanks so much for joining. Until next time, I'm Alex Wojcicki on the Rural Radio Network. It's time for sports. Here's Jason Jorgensen. Thanks, Tyler. Well, lots of the craziness of the last month is that former Husker quarterback, Heisman Trophy winner, and big red legend Eric Crouch was recently elected into the College Football Hall of Fame for the class of 2020. Crouch was a guest on Sports Nightly this week, and he says, what an honor. It was a surprise, really. It means a lot um, to be able to um, represent the state, the school, uh, teammates, coaches, family, friends. I mean, anybody that uh, has helped me along the way, I know that it wasn't anything that I that I did. It was more uh, all the help that I've received along the way. So I'm just uh, very honored to, to be able to 
uh, represent everyone. Others heading into the College Football Hall of Fame this summer include former SMU running back Eric Dickerson and the late former Elkhorn State quarterback Steve McNair. Nebraska and Kansas State will renew acquaintances in the future in men's basketball. The two programs are set to play three times over the next three seasons in three different locations. The first matchup will be in Kansas City at the Sprint Center next season. The 2021-22 matchup will be in Lincoln, and then the year after that they'll meet in Manhattan. This will be the first time the two programs have played since Nebraska left the Big 12 following the 2011 campaign. Well, the silent spring for Nebraska high school sports will continue at least for another month. All NSAA activity practices and competitions are suspended through May 1st. Now, these suspensions may be extended should conditions warrant. The NSAA stopped short, however, of canceling the spring sports seasons. But if this is extended any longer, that effectively would wipe out the entire year. And Dominican Sue was going to stay put in South Florida. The veteran offensive tackle is staying in Tampa, agreeing to a one-year deal worth $8 million. That's according to the NFL Network. Former Husker was part of the league's number one rushing defense last fall. And with Tom Brady's arrival, the Bucks should be a playoff contender. And Scott's Bluff native Marcus Harvey is a new head football coach at Overton. Harvey takes over the reins of the Eagles from Paul Husenfeld, who is moving on to a teaching and coaching position in the Superior School system. And he's excited about looking to continue the tradition of Overton football. I definitely have big shoes to fill. Coach Husenfeld, Coach Jensen, who are leaving, they're awesome coaches. They're going to be resources for me that's going to make up for my inexperience. I'm going to tap those resources as much as I can. I have the privilege of coaching with Coach Ryan. Um, He's played for Nebraska. He's, it's exciting. I'm excited for the opportunity. Harvey's already been a physical education teacher in the Overton School District and has been coaching at the junior high level. He also spent one year as a girls basketball coach in Minden during the 2017-18 season. He's a 2001 graduate of Scotts Bluff High School and played collegiately at Black Hill State in Spearfish, South Dakota. That's a look at sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. I'm Jason Jorgensen. UNK Wrestling has partnered with Hot Meals USA to help deliver and prepare meals for those in need from the COVID-19 outbreak in the Kearney community. Head coach Dalton Jensen adds that with losing an opportunity for his athletes to win a national title due to the coronavirus cancellations, his team has been able to gain more perspective. We just want to want to help out as much as we can. Obviously, we missed out on you know an opportunity to compete for a national championship this year, but you know, when we look around, uh, we can still be grateful for what we have because there's people that have it a lot worse and that are really struggling through this situation. So any, any way that we can help, especially here in the Kearney community, we're going to do. Members of the UNK wrestling team aid in preparing food in the food trucks and by being a delivery service for the meals. Hot Meals USA has delivered over 1,000 meals in the Kearney community as of Wednesday. Officials say Nebraska's initial claims for unemployment skyrocketed with the nation's last week amid the coronavirus pandemic. The filings rose to nearly 16,000 from a little less than 800 the week before. The dire financial news comes as two more COVID-19 cases are confirmed in Nebraska, bringing the state total to 68. The announcement Wednesday night follows the legislature's approval of an $83.6 million emergency relief package to help public health officials respond to the coronavirus pandemic. Governor Pete Ricketts signed the bill that will provide money for additional medical and cleaning supplies 
tests, and overtime for state health care workers. Tyson Foods donated a semi-load of frozen chicken products on Thursday morning to Lexington hunger relief agencies and nonprofit organizations as part of its effort to provide disaster relief in the face of the coronavirus pandemic. Tyson Chaplain Heidi Ravello talked with the Rural Radio Network. About a week and a half ago, uh, Tyson Corporate said, you know, we want to help out in the communities where our workers are. And so Lexington was one of the places that was chosen. And so we've got 26 pallets of frozen chicken uh, that we're giving to organizations, food pantries, churches, who can then in turn distribute it to their people. Ravello says the chicken was picked up and loaded into vehicles to be distributed to area organizations. Well, so we have two groups. We've got the churches and the food pantries, uh, senior centers. They're sending out one or two representatives, mostly in pickups. They come, they drive through our line, and then the volunteers uh, load up the cases of chicken and, and put them in the vehicles so we don't have as many people uh, person to person because we want to keep as much distance as we can. Tyson also donated truckloads of meat last year to organizations for victims of the widespread flooding. Revelo said she was grateful to be involved in Thursday's donation of food to area agencies and organizations. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Austin Jacobson. Rely on KRVN for up-to-date information on COVID-19. From closings, the latest governor's press conference, and DHHS virus reports, we'll bring you the facts and latest news on the coronavirus. Visit our coronavirus information tab at krvn.com for up-to-the-minute local and state news, and tune in every weeknight at 5 p.m. for a special KRVN this evening. Depend on KRVN to keep you informed on COVID-19. Kids are home from school and need the challenge. Let's put science to work. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. As you try to work through all the challenges of being a homeschool teacher, here's a project your kids could really get behind, and that happens to be the Monarch Challenge, brought to you by BASF and their living acres. We know that Monarch population has dramatically declined in the U.S. in recent years due to various reasons, including overwintering habitat loss. Now, milkweed is critical as it's the only plant in which monarchs will lay their eggs, and it provides food for their larvae as well. I caught up with BASF's Chip Schilling during Commodity Classic to talk about the Monarch Challenge. Chip Schilling joins us now. Let's talk about what BASF has done and this Monarch Challenge. Sure. The Living Acres Monarch Challenge is a project for us that we've been working on really for the last five years. So it's about talking to farmers. What can they do to provide habitat for monarchs? And it's something that really, like you just said, it's what people have fallen in love with. Uh, the people that come back year after year, especially here at Commodity Classic, say, got milkweed last year, how can I get it again? So we direct them to milkweedplease.com where they can sign up to receive free milkweed. What has been the biggest reason BASF has, has promoted this project? It's a way for us to advocate for what farmers are doing. Uh, we want to show uh, that farmers are taking you know, monarch population decline seriously, and we're also sitting there and saying, what can they do? What's within their control? And that what's in their control is providing habitat, whether it's milkweed or other nectar species that the adult monarchs can eat. And it's a pretty easy project for a family to do and see that spread of milkweed and what it does, even in a year's time. 
It really is. I mean, then when we see little kids come up or you see grandparents come up and say, my kids love this or my grandkids love this, it really shows that it is something from a generational perspective. It spans all generations. Uh, so you see grandma working with the kids or grandfather working with the grandkids, uh, and it's a way for them really to get excited and work on something together. One of the things that you're suggesting, we were talking about ditches and milkweed growing there, and you know, eventually those ditches have to be mode what is the recommendation that you guys are giving so i mean one you need to control it for weeds uh, so if you see that we have an operation weed eradication if you see pigweed coming up you want to control that i mean that is an agronomic weed that's something we don't want to spread on your farm when we talk about milkweed it's can you mow around it uh, can you leave it standing while you have monarchs that are either uh, breeding during the summer maybe mow around it change those mowing practices to give that habitat and that's what we really talk to farmers about is what can you potentially change a little bit to provide that habitat for monarchs while they're in breeding season or, or migrating through. All right, give us that time frame then because we, we see the milkweed come up, you start seeing the butterflies, but how, when, I guess, it's the birds and the bees of, uh, of monarchs? It, it is really tough. So like you just said, when you see the milkweed come up, a couple weeks later is around when they'll start to show up, and it really depends on where you are. So if you're living in the south, it's too hot for them to be around in the summertime, so they'll migrate north. So if you're between, let's say, Nebraska and southern Canada, you're going to see them here, um, throughout the summertime. So that's in their core breeding zone, core breeding season. Uh, so you really want to leave that milkweed standing at that point in time. As it starts to get colder, you see the leaves falling off the milkweed. Monarchs are probably starting to make their migration south. So at that point in time, when the seeds are about to spread, great time to mow it down. So how do you know if the monarch has been there? You talk about the laying of the eggs, because they're really minuscule from what I understand. Eggs are tiny. Uh, so what uh, the easiest way that I've found, if you're out there looking on your, your roadsides, look for freshly eaten um foliage that's the easiest way to say hey monarchs here the larvas around or you know nothing's here so that's kind of what i use but like you said they're laying the eggs on the underside of the leaf so it's really tough to see it's really tough to say has a monarch laid an egg don't know uh, really that when you see the actual larva or you see that fresh uh, leaf being eaten that's when you can tell you've got something on there Chip, give us again the website so folks can get themselves signed up. So I'll give you two different websites. If you want to just straight sign up to receive free milkweed, you can go to milkweedplease.com. Uh, another place where you can get a lot of information is monarchchallenge.com. That's where we post a lot of resources, a lot of information about the monarch and biodiversity. And you guys have a hashtag they should be using, too, when they post pictures. When you post pictures, we love to see pictures, especially when we send out the plants. Uh, use hashtag Monarch Challenge uh, or tag us uh, at BASF Ag Products uh, so we can, again, see what you're doing. That is my conversation with BASF's Chip Schilling as we talk about the Monarch Challenge that is underway. To support milkweed and preserve biodiversity, BASF has introduced the Living Acres Hashtag Monarch Challenge initiative in North America. They started it back in 2015. It was the first major North American initiative to support the sustainability platform. Now the Monarch Challenge draws on the research and development in providing farmers with practical best practices in establishing and maintaining milkweed plants on land not reserved for crops in play areas of golf courses and even other agricultural areas. And through the Monarch Challenge, they're doing their part to help restore the butterfly population. 
Now, since it was first introduced back in 2015, they've actually provided more than 35,000 milkweed stems to farmers, golf courses, and other ag advocates in the U.S. and Canada. Of that, more than 5,000 farmers have learned about the hashtag Monarch Challenge and their role in protecting the diversity. Now, if you'd like to find out more information, just Google Monarch Challenge BASF and get your milkweed. I'm Susan Littlefield, the Rural Radio Network. Hero. Time for the business report. Here's our very own Bob Rogan. With the business report, I'm Bob Rogan. Stocks were rising more than 3% early today, putting the market on track for its first three-day rally in six weeks. The gains come despite news of a record surge in claims for unemployment benefits. The S&P 500 has rallied almost 14% since Monday on expectations Congress would pass an unprecedented rescue package for the economy. Meanwhile, a record high number of people applied for unemployment benefits last week as layoffs engulfed the U.S. in the face of a near-total economic shutdown caused by the coronavirus. The surge in weekly applications for benefits far exceeded the previous record set in 1982. The House is expected tomorrow to pass a $2.2 trillion economic rescue package for businesses, workers, and health care systems engulfed by the coronavirus. The Senate passed the legislation by a unanimous vote last night. House members are scattered around the country, but House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer says there will be a voice vote without lawmakers having to return to Washington. Jerome Powell says the Federal Reserve would provide essentially unlimited lending to support the economy as long as it is damaged by the viral outbreak. In an interview this morning on NBC's Today show, the Fed chair said the bank's efforts are focused on helping the economy recover quickly once the threat from the virus has passed. Ford says it wants to reopen five North American assembly plants in April that were closed because of the threat of coronavirus. The three Detroit automakers suspended production at North American factories March 19th under pressure from the United Auto Workers Union, which had concerns about members working closely at workstations and possibly spreading the virus. Union spokesman Brian Rothenberg says the UAW is reviewing Ford's announcement with great concern and caution. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. Protect yourself and others from COVID-19. Nebraskans can help protect themselves from the coronavirus and other respiratory infections by staying home if you are sick and avoiding close contact with those who are sick. Washing hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. If soap and water aren't available, use an alcohol-based sanitizer. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth with unwashed hands. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects and surfaces. For more information, visit krvn.com. I'm Clay Patton inviting you to take a productive visit to KRVN Cattlemen. 100% beef oriented, KRVN Cattlemen brings you expertise from across the plains in audio and video spotlights featuring industry innovators. Handy Nebraska, Kansas, and cattle resources including the inventory, cattle on feed, and slaughter numbers you need. Plus hay reports for five states. You'll find a complete directory of upcoming auctions and private treaty sales. Click on the link for KRVN Cattlemen on the right front column of the homepage at krvn.com. The side effect of COVID-19 and people staying home means cars, trucks, and other forms of transportation have been parked. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. The streets, highways, and freeways are practically empty, and this is having a negative impact on fuel demand, especially ethanol. 
Troy Bradenkamp, executive director at Renewable Fuels Nebraska, says Nebraska's ethanol industry has been severely impacted. Much of Nebraska's ethanol uh, is destined for the California market. And so when you see uh, empty freeways in California, you know that that's having a significant impact to uh, the demand for Nebraska ethanol. And so we are seeing that across the board in, in some level of social distancing, uh, in some cases quarantine and, and uh, lockdown, uh, you know that that's going to have a significant impact on the demand for transportation fuel. With the low corn demand, some elevators across Nebraska will be affected. Farmers Cooperative in Hemingford is one such elevator. Bart Moseman, general manager, says they are seeing the corn basis deteriorate across the whole market. We ship a lot of corn by uh, by rail over that Herford, Texas market. So that market's fallen out of out of bed and gotten gotten a lot weaker. Um, I'm hearing of ethanol plants, you know, in Nebraska that are going to be closing down on April 1st. You know, for either you know 60 to 90 days. Uh, I mean, their their ethanol margins are just hor- horrific right now with where uh, crude is trading, where and where gasoline is trading. Just the demand for gasoline it just isn't there now with. Uh, you know, with everybody staying home, basically. So, Braden Camp says he's not heard of any plants closing yet, but he wouldn't be surprised. And there are other considerations the ethanol plants have to make if they're going to idle. One of their key considerations, though, that many of the ethanol plants are making right now is that even though they are losing significant money producing the ethanol right now, they are cognizant of the fact that they are also a producer of feed for livestock and so the distiller's grain market knowing that there is an obligation to keep some distiller's grain going to our livestock sector is something that a lot of the ethanol plants are weighing right now in terms of how much more production can they put out and still maintain a level of distiller's grain that is needed by the livestock sector so Yesterday, the U.S. Senate passed a $2.2 trillion coronavirus stimulus package. Braden Camp says he doesn't see anything in the package which would help ethanol. Uh, clearly, there are things in there with provisions to layoffs, uh, small business administration loans, things like that, that will likely apply to the sector, but nothing in particular um, to, to be an earmark or a direct assistance uh, for the industry through this period of time. Mosman says one bright spot might be China as they get their market back up and if they begin to buy soybeans again. You know, we're starting to see China economy come back a little bit. We're starting to hear that there's there's some work being done there uh, and some demand coming in. Where, you know, a month or two months ago, we were looking at this thing and, well, China's not buying any soybeans at all. And all these acres across the whole Corn Belt, we're going to go more heavily toward corn. You know, so maybe here in this next you know, 20, 30 days, we start to see some, you know, see some activity there that might help help this out. Another bright spot for ethanol was the Trump administration's decision not to seek a rehearing of a recent ruling by the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Tenth Circuit that struck down certain small refinery exemptions under the Renewable Fuel Standard. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Shabella Guzman. 
Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. John, as we take a look here at the closing grain markets, a pretty positive day for corn and soybeans. They really came back here in the back part. Is this off the positive export news this morning? Yeah, very good news. And, I mean, down the road this is going to be the case, but in the short term here we're looking at, uh, you know, the best – corn price in the market as far as short term through May. Once you get past that point where, you know, Argentina is going to step in front of us and there'll be a little low balls at the ports, but I think you should see exports be like this for a while, at least the next couple of weeks. So, you know, with corn prices where they are, obviously the ethanol store is a huge overhang here and, you know, we're hearing more shutting down. So, you know, I think you got to take the opportunity to be selling on rallies, whether that be 365, 370-ish would be really ultimate upside in my opinion on the, uh, on the front month May um, and then look to re-own that if it would break into delivery on the July. Um, you know, things can change so quickly with the ethanol just based off gasoline. But I think the market this morning is a little more, like, taken seriously as far as how long they think this could be, um, just given that they're already talking about a second round of stimulus um, that, that might come out in 30 to 45 days. So, you know, with that in mind, you know, the you know we saw profit taking in a lot of the trades that have worked the last couple of days and then vice versa, you know, from the short side as stocks rallied. So... I think, I think, you know, a market like wheat showed pretty good strength here, too, and I wouldn't be looking to fade this thing in the hole, uh, at least until the, um, you know, we know what the acreage is. And then you're talking about that stimulus and stuff. That's finally started to poke a little bit of a hole in that really strong U.S. dollar market that we've continued to see. So going forward, is that going to be something, can we finally maybe start to outpace the Russian ruble, the Brazilian real, and some of those emerging currencies? Well, we're doing what we can to do it, and I think that's, you know, it's it's a weird weird world we live in when everybody's running debt debt uh, deficits like they are and if you're not or if you're you know have interest rates that are stronger than anyone else you're stronger currency and you're getting all that detraction spending what we're going to spend here you know with two trillion on this bail or this stimulus and then possibly another two trillion I've I've heard it's that high that's going to come down the line here in another month or so if this thing if the government if the economy would stay shut. Um, that's the dollar is going to get wrecked. And uh, I just think, you you know, you're looking at a price point back down closer to 90. That could bode very well for beans, could be bode very well for wheat as well. I think corn is going to lag because of crude oil. Without crude oil rallying, uh, I don't know if corn has a whole lot of hope above, you know, 370 old crop, maybe even 380 new. Again, we're talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago. You can learn more at their website. That's danielzagmarketing.com. Again, danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, trading futures and options involves risk of loss. It may not be suitable for all investors. Consider these risks before investing. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Divinity Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DaviniChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Divini deal.